Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. The Gospel for this weekend gives us a powerful spiritual lesson on how we are to face and deal with some of the difficult and challenging things that come in our life or in the life of our church. Now notice how the Gospel starts. On that day, as the evening drew on, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us cross to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took Jesus with them in the boat, just as he was. Now stop right there. What's important is that phrase, they took Jesus. Well, from the very beginning, this story tells us that the apostles are at the center of the story, not Jesus. Jesus is in the passive form. The apostles are in the active form. So Mark, from the very beginning, tells us this story is about the apostles. But more to it, remember, the apostles represent the church. And so Mark is telling us this story is not a story about us, but it's also a story for us. Now, it says a squall immediately blows up, a storm kicks up, and the boat begins to take on water. Now, it's not uncommon for these storms to kick up rather easily in the ancient world or in the Sea of Galilee. When I was living in Israel for several months studying there, my friends and I took boat rides, maybe six, seven, eight rides on the Sea of Galilee. Twice, as we were in the boat, these storms kicked up and they occurred rather suddenly. And the clouds came over, the wind started blowing, and, you know, the boat was tossed about. So therefore, these storms did come about unexpectedly. And this is why sailing in the ancient world was very dangerous. In fact, one of the most dangerous modes of transportation. That's why ships, when they sailed, they always sailed parallel to the coastline so that if a storm kicked up suddenly, they could immediately you know, go into a safe harbor or cove in order to protect the ship. They didn't venture out into the open water. It was too dangerous for a number of reasons. First and foremost, there was no GPS. They essentially navigated by the stars. And if it was an overcast day, therefore the stars wouldn't be out, they would get lost rather easily. Also too, there was no Doppler radar which we depend upon every day. And so the people during the time of Christ wouldn't be able to see a storm looming over the horizon. Furthermore, the people feared the vastness of the ocean. Just go to Lake Michigan. Go out far enough that you are far away from the coast and there's water all around you, wherever you look, and all of a sudden you see a storm approaching. Well, that can be very unnerving. More to it, in the ancient world, the people believed that in the open seas represented chaos. And that's where evil spirits resided within those deep waters. And so they wanted to avoid those waters at all costs. 
Now, the storm kicks up, and the waves begin breaking over the bow of the boat, and the boat takes on water. The apostles immediately are terrified. Now, remember, some of these apostles are experienced fishermen. They spent a considerable amount of time and years on the water. They probably encountered storms like this. So, it begs the question, why? Why are they so easily terrified when they've gone through storms like this probably many times in their work? Well, this tells us something that this storm is unique. So unique that it is something unlike the apostles and these sailors have never experienced before. St. Augustine, when reflecting upon this gospel passage, he said, This story is symbolic of the drama of the life of the church. It's symbolic of the overwhelming struggles our church has undergone for centuries on end. Well, just look at the history of our church. The first 300 years of our church, it lived under Roman persecution. And thousands of people were martyred for what we do every weekend, worshiping God. Many and countless popes were murdered and martyred because of what we celebrate every Sunday, the Mass. But it just didn't stop there. Go to the 14th century, the Great Western Schism. At that time, three men declared themselves Pope and created fissures and fractures within our church. 300 years later, in the 17th century, is the Reformation, in which hundreds of thousands of people broke away from our church because of doctrinal beliefs. Just look in our modern day. For the past 20 to 30 years, our church has been battered and ridiculed because of our belief in the sanctity of life, that all life is precious and should be protected. Even right now, our church is now battling or under a firestorm from critics that basically tell us that we are dead wrong in our beliefs and holding to the sanctity of marriage. As Catholics, we believe that marriage is between only a man and a woman. Now, I don't know if you realize it or not, but the religion of Islam directly forbids homosexual marriages. And yet, you don't see that or hear about that in the news or in the newspapers or magazines. You don't see that or hear about that in the news agencies, any of them. You don't see or hear a reporter asking a person who is a Muslim or a cleric of Islam about this issue. No, not at all or in any church except the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is the only church that they've painted a bullseye on. And so they call us bigots and homophobiacs. But that is not true, and we know that. We are not those types of people. And we will prevail over this challenge, over this firestorm of controversy, because we know the truth, and Christ is on our side. Now, take it to a microscopic level. These storms are symbolic of the challenges, these challenges and difficulties that come into our life. They are storms, you could say. They come in different forms, maybe unexpected unemployment, an unexpected diagnosis, the loss of a loved one, you know, strained relationships in the family. You know, whatever those challenges or storms are, no one is immune from them. You know, the only thing, difference that we have is the level of severity of these storms in our individual lives. Now, go back to the story with Jesus. 
Where is he? Well, he's at the stern, sleeping on a cushion. He's in the back of the boat, sleeping. The apostles are at the bow, the front of the boat. The apostles are frightened to death. They look at Jesus and he's sound asleep. Boat is filling up with water. And these experienced fishermen and sailors think all is hopeless and lost. They turn to Jesus and he's asleep. They probably think to themselves, how could he sleep through all this? Now, here's what cuts to the heart of the message. The apostles, what do they do? They don't try and save themselves, do they? Their first instinct, their first inclination is go to Jesus immediately. During times of hopelessness, they immediately go to Jesus because they know Jesus will rescue them. Well, so too must we. When we feel a sense of hopelessness in our life, based upon whatever storm has blown into our life, we have to go to Jesus. Maybe we have a child that has a debilitating diagnosis. Maybe we've lost our job or we suffer from chronic diabetes or chronic depression. Or maybe your spouse has left us. Whatever storm has blown into our life, we have to go to Jesus. Now, our first instinct is to seek answers. Why? Lord, why did you allow this to happen to my daughter? She's innocent. She did nothing wrong. And yet now she has this debilitating disease that she will suffer from for the rest of her life. Why? You know, are you asleep at the wheel? Well, we may not get the answers that we want. But the key is to follow the example of the apostles and go to God with all confidence and with all faith, knowing that God will rescue us some way, somehow, whatever the challenge or storm may be. Now, a second thing that we can take from this is that in, in the midst of the storms that we have, either in our church or in our private lives, we will find peace. Notice Jesus, he's sleeping at the bow of the ship, which means he's symbolic of peace, the source of peace. Even in the midst of the storms that blow into our lives, we can find peace. Again, what's the temptation? You know, to beg God, you know, why did this happen to me? Lord, I did nothing wrong. I was a faithful Catholic. I prayed every day, went to Mass every week. And yet now these terrible things have happened to me. Why? Why did you do this to me? You know, why did you allow this to happen? You know, that's the same question that the apostles ask Jesus. You notice they turn to him and they say, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Well, it's the same type of question. But the, what's important is to know, to be reassured that despite the severity of the storm in our life, we will find peace. Notice what Jesus does. He woke up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Quiet and be still. The wind ceased. And there's a great calm. Well, there's peace. Whatever storm we or our church faces, in Christ we'll always find peace. The greatest place is in the Eucharist. Regardless of what storm or how our church is being attacked, we always find peace when we gather for the Eucharist. Whatever storm is blowing in our individual lives, regardless of poor health, unemployment, Whatever debilitating disease it may be, strained relationships, we always will be able to find peace in that storm every time we come and we gather for Mass and we celebrate the Eucharist. If Christ is at the center of our life, 
then he will also be the source of peace in that storm, regardless of how we are being buffeted. Now, again, it begs the question, how do these experienced fishermen who have gone through many storms, countless storms throughout their careers while on the sea, can be terrified so quickly? I think St. John Chrysostom gives us the best answer. He says they've lost their center. They are no longer centered on Jesus Christ. Instead, they are centered on the storm, the wind, the rain, the waves, the water coming into the boat. See, once Christ is no longer the spiritual center of our life, then those storms, whatever they may be, get the best of us. Whether it's depression, debilitating health, unemployment, they will get the best of us. You know, they will terrify us and they will give us a sense of hopelessness. But if Christ is truly the center of our life, not only will we have peace, but the reassurance that whatever storm blows into our life, we, not the storm, we will prevail over it. One last thing to think about. Notice what Jesus says to the apostles. It says, Then he asked them, Why are you terrified? Do you not yet have faith? What is he really saying to them? Do you really believe that I would allow you and all of us to perish in this boat? Do you not have enough confidence in me that I can save you? Here's a great lesson for the apostles. Despite their closeness, and they were Jesus' closest and best of friends, despite their closeness, it doesn't absolve them of their responsibility to grow in their faith. Well, so too with us. If Christ truly is the center of our life, it requires a commitment. A commitment, which means praying every day, going to Mass every week on Sunday or on the weekend, studying and learning about our faith, corporal and spiritual works of mercy, stewardship. You know, all those things nurture that center, you know, that sense of peace that we have with Christ as the source. Regardless of the storms that blow into our life, and they will, no one is immune from them, as long as we have Christ at the center of our life, then he will not only be the source of peace, but he will give us the confidence and the reassurance that we, and only we, through Christ, will prevail over any storm or challenge that comes into our life. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.